When it comes to lying and your teenager, there are many different issues to deal with. One of them is the fact that our teenagers are so alienated today. They have nobody, so why not lie? You're listening to Parenting on Purpose with Dr. Bob Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries. I'm your host, Ruthie J. And if you have a teenager, God bless you. <laughs> Dr. Barnes, you had two teenagers, two kids, but you said those were the best years. I said high school was the best okay, years. High Middle school. school was challenging and fun. Wasn't fun for my pleaser, brilliant, beautiful pleaser wife who never did anything wrong her whole life. <laughs> Middle school years were fun for me. I kept thinking, so you think you're doing something I didn't do? You're kidding me. You're a piker. You're not even close to what I did. You're kidding me. But because we took it on, took it on, took it on and lived in, you know, middle school is when you live in radical extremes with your kids. Mm -hmm. And we lived in the extremes. We had extreme fun. And in middle school, when they didn't want to have fun, when I would announce, okay, there's no soccer and you guys say you're done with your homework. And when they're starting to leave and I would say, so that means we're playing Pictionary. And I don't want to play Pictionary. To be honest with you, I don't want to play Did Pictionary. they want to play Pictionary? No, everybody acted like, oh, dad. And get them at the table and I'm a wild man and I'm crazy and we're making popcorn and we're doing, and all of a sudden they're laughing and all of a sudden they're having a great time and they're doing things that 12 and 14 year olds aren't supposed to be doing. They're not supposed <laughs> to be laughing with their parents and we're teaming up and I'm calling people cheaters and they're laughing and I'm throwing popcorn in the kitchen, which everybody's now doing, knowing we're all going to have to clean this up. But we're laughing. We're laughing. We're, I wanted to live in extremes, especially with my middle school child who's just kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere. What yeah. am I? I'm nothing. I'm not really in, uh, you know, I'm a, not a child, I'm, but I'm not a, what am I? I'm not a high school. I'm not cool. I'm not fun. I'm nothing. I'm not, de <laughs> she's not developed yet. He still has a high voice. And they, it's just like, oh, I hate me. I hate me now you know and one of mine thought it, that child would be short forever and it's just hilarious it's hilarious high school though was amazing and mm -hmm. i loved high school it's I'm, just it's it's also scary for parents because if you got your kids well in private but also public school what they're exposed to the peer pressure is incredible they're exposed to peer pressures in christian school yeah and, oh, yeah. and, and anybody who thinks that christian school is a woman gets mad at their christian school because you know i so thought that if i had my kids at cca life would be perfect yeah, no. really no life isn't perfect because it's got normal people in there mm -hmm. it's still kids it's just different as christian teachers mm -hmm. uh, so that part is very very different but there's a lot of other ways where kids can lie so easily now especially with this alternate reality called cyber world where if you don't have the rules right they are living alternate lives oh yeah and right under your nose and, you and think it. of the statement that they're living an alternate life why would i live an alternate life because i don't like my own life mm. why am i not happy with being me you know, I made a really, really ridiculous statement in the Sheridan House. Sheridan House has a Bible study every Thursday where everybody comes from all the campuses and we're all here and I lead this Bible study and it's fun and they're all laughing at me during the Bible study. But I said, you know, I really, really, they asked me why I, what I did on Saturday and I said, I spent the whole day in my study at home, my little nine foot by nine foot study reading and working on something the whole day. One of them said the whole day and I said, and I made this statement, you know what? I really, really like me. I'm like my own best friend and I like me and I was kidding but one of them walking out said it's really true isn't it and I said well it's partially true I enjoy being with me um, that's why I can drive these long trips by myself I I don't want it to help my children get there now your teenager is not going to be there but in the process uh, yeah they have input from places that tell them they're not adequate 
and they don't have a relationship with us, so they develop these other relationships that they think they have, but they don't really have. They get their feelings hurt all the time. This whole lying thing for your teenager uh, many times is because I have no one on my team, no one on my side. I lie about who I am. I lie about what I do. I lie about what I have. And it's a short leap to a lie when I get caught. I didn't do that. I wasn't with them. You know, one of my friends uh, growing up, I grew up in uh, on Long Island. And on Long Island, I grew up in a place called Westbury that was very, 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 very Italian in my community. And, and I remember one of my friends uh, Benny uh, Benito uh, saying when we go places, very cool, very just great athlete. He was just great. And he would say, you know, I can't go do that. I know all those guys are going and I'm not going. Are you going, Barnes? And I said, no, I'm not going. But tell me where you're not going. And I, sometimes I wouldn't even know why I wasn't going, but he wasn't going, so I wouldn't go. And he said, I couldn't look my grandma in the eye. My grandma lives with us. I just couldn't go home and look her wow. in the eye and and know what I just did. She Family peer pressure. <laughs> oh, she said she wouldn't even have to ask me. She has a way of, she knows me. She knows me to my soul. I couldn't couldn't look her in the eye. I just couldn't lie to her. Mm. I, we want that with our kids. Mm. And sometimes we've we've so busied them and so busied us that uh, your child hits 14 and 15, has no relationship, no in-depth, could I spend two hours with you relationship with anybody? And so you say to that 14-year-old, hey, I'm going to such and such. Do you want to come? You know, number one, they don't know whether they should say they want to come. Uh, number two, they don't know if you really want them. And number three, they don't know if they want to come. Rather than, hey, I'm going to such and such. Can you come and help me? I need you. Oh, Dad, I just can you come and help me? It's all the difference in the world that I'm pursuing a relationship with them. So often we think our children hit these teen years, and, you know, they don't want to be with me. Well, I don't think they know what they want to be. It's me every Wednesday morning having breakfast with one of my children. My children never said the night before, I hope we're doing breakfast tomorrow on I Tuesday night. I can't wait, Dad. I can't wait. They never, ever, ever, ever said that. But I did it because I knew it was the right thing to do, and I did it because breakfast Wednesday mornings was the mornings that I kept my mouth shut. We ate at McDonald's on Florida. Mingo Road. Uh, I'd eat with one of them one Wednesday, one the next Wednesday, and I just listen and I would try to develop the communication of that child talking to me. And there was sometimes there were so many things I wanted to interrupt and say, and I didn't. I just listened. Then we'd go back and pick up the other child, and either Rosemary or I would take them to school. Actually, on Wednesday mornings, we both took them to school to spend our own time afterwards together. But I pursued and worked and pursued and worked, even when they would distance themselves from me, mm -hmm. even when they would try to act like they didn't want to do that Wednesday. Because it may not matter to you that you lie to your parent because you don't even think your parent cares. You don't even think your parent knows. Your parent's not going to deal with it. And this teenager gets further and further and further out there. Then all of a sudden you realize, I don't even know this person that lives in my house. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like we live to get them out of here, college or wherever. Just get them out rather than I do know this person. And yes, I'm going to be dealing with these unacceptable behaviors, but I know the person. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes these behaviors are just signals. What, what happens then if you do have that teen. The relationship is not really good and they're constantly lying. They really don't even want to be at home very much. So they're always going to friends' houses or whatnot. Right. How do you even begin the process? And we're talking about lying here, but this is also the bigger picture of relationships. That's right. It's very hard to deal with a lie when you have no relationship and you've become a, the police officer in the house. And in some homes, usually it's a divide and conquer. And one parent is the total disciplinarian in the mm -hmm. home. And, you know, how many times did I hear Rosemary say, I'm so tired of being the ogre? <laughs> you know, when they were babies, when mm -hmm. they were little, before school, you come home, you're 
you're the fun parent, I'm the ogre. And I'd have to say, well, let's figure out how to change it. Let but me, later you became then the yeah, disciplinarian. Yeah, well, I, it's in me. It's in me to be the disciplinarian, and it's in her to be the high-end relationship mm-hmm. person. And being the disciplinarian didn't wear me out. But it's not in me to be the relationship person that's in her. She would have to push me into what I knew I needed to do. So let me give you an easy for instance here. And it's much easier. And, and some people have actually asked because John Ellswick, a pastor here in town, has some of our staff at his church. And he made the statement, the kids, the children, the actual children of the Sherinell staff are unbelievable. They're the role models. Uh, you know, Fish's kids, I'm looking at his five kids when they come to church, they're unbelievable. And I said, well, I get it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I realized it finally. And somebody asked me, how is it that your kids are so different? And I think my kids are so different because I learned the parenting techniques when, it, when I was working with other people's kids and I was objective. There wasn't a subjective, these are my heartbeat kids. Mm-hmm. And so I learned to divide the behavior from the child. I learned to give the consequence and still be on the child's side. I learned when I assigned a child a whole string of flower beds to weed that I could go change clothes and go weed them with them. Mm-hmm. I learned to divide and still, you know, when that child comes in and he doesn't say it out loud, but he wants to know, are you mad at me? And uh, I'm proactive. He's never going to say you're mad at me. I'm going to say you're awesome. You stayed on that test. That was great. Well, you made me do it. I know, but you stayed on it, man. Mm-hmm. You're awesome. I don't expect you to be perfect. How many times do I tell you? Eric, I tell you that all the time. I don't expect you to be perfect. If I were in this house living in the room with you, I'd be weeding too. I'd be doing the same thing. <laughs> but somebody had me weed. And so I'm better today. I'm making better decisions. When you learn how to do that when it's objective and it's not your heartbeat. And so our job here is to train the parents to do the very same thing. Mm-hmm. And ours are 12, 13, and 14 years old. So you've got to decide this is really important. And the ongoing lying is a warning light going off. Okay, my child who's lying to me somehow doesn't feel a part of the family. Somehow doesn't feel like I care enough to deal with it. Somehow this lying has, number one, got to stop for the child's development. Number two, got to stop for our parent-child relationship. Number three, it's got to stop because I think it's part of a litmus test. This child's showing me. I don't think you care anyway, so Mm -hmm. who cares? Mm -hmm. I don't care. I've learned to lie to just actually to shut down the whole relationship with you. And that's where a lot of us parents get a little in trouble too because when you really put it on the table, we notice that we haven't had a lot of time. We're working ourselves crazy. Then change. Yeah. You know, we did a marriage seminar and somebody asked me during the Q&A just recently was there just ever a time when you weren't invested in your marriage and i said oh the first 10 years mm-hmm. i've married 40 years the first 10 years i i had an extramarital affair with sheridan house i had an extramarital affair with making money with providing i thought that was my priority and i had a wake-up i had a dramatic wake-up call from two people didn't realize they were confronting me but two people that i respect making a statement to me bob take care of your marriage mm-hmm. in the same time period and i realized i don't know how to go back and erase this. I don't know how to go back and change this. And I just sat down with Rosemary and apologized. And I said, I'm sorry. I want to do better at marriage. And I changed after 10 years of dysfunction. I changed after 10 years of bad parenting. You can change. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is with the child when they're looking at you and rolling their eyes and you saying, I want to say something to you. And that's why I got you out of the house. I want to go sit here and, you know, each of us have a Coke and talk to each other and say, I want to apologize as a dad. Not easy for me to do, but mandatory for me to do. I just haven't been there for you as much as I need to be there for you. And you haven't always been able to count on me or my this or my integrity or my whatever. I 
want to start by apologizing to you. Well, you're going to apologize? Yes, I'm going to apologize to each of the kids individually. I want to apologize to you, and I want to say I'm different, and I'm going to try one day at a time, and I'm going to try to spend time with you, and I'm going to try to I hear. really try to do it. And then I got to do it. I got to be different. I've got to try to invest in this little life here who's becoming. They haven't arrived yet. It's never, ever, ever too late with a child. Mm-hmm. And it's been almost, if this is the right word, probably not, magical. Watching parents come and they see their child on their first Friday. Mm-hmm. Parents drop their kids off on a Sunday night. We have them all week. We work with them all week. Parents come to Thursday night parent meeting. They pick their child up Friday night with a prescription of what needs to be accomplished, whether it's a single mom or whoever it is. And But when they come Friday, the child always shows them their room. Their room is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's immaculate. Everything is immaculate. And they wonder, have you done a brain transplant on my <laughs> child? We want the parent to see that, to show them what the child is capable of. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes we forget, too. Yeah, well, we've done. <laughs> down parenting. Yeah. This child is capable of this, but not only is he capable of it, he feels good about it. Does he beg us? Can I clean my room better? Can I clean my room perfect? Can I make my bed perfect every day? Can I have everything off the floor every day before I go to my chore helping in the kitchen or whatever? Before we eat, have family devotions and go to school. All that takes place. Mm-hmm. And when they see it, they begin to get a vision. This kid is so much sharper than I thought. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have the background with that child they do and mm-hmm. the pain and the anger and the child taking out the anger on that parent that they're so mad at mm-hmm. or that step parent that they're even madder at because the step parent ruined it all. I dream my mommy and daddy'd get back together even though it's not even possible. Mm-hmm. Not even possible. And if it was it would be a nightmare. But they dreamed it and they take it all out on that stepdad or all out on the stepmom. They're just exhibiting mm-hmm. pain in an inappropriate way. And what happens is we tend to back off from them. Okay, I'm giving them their space. They want they don't want their space. They don't want their space. And they don't know how to say I don't want my space. What they really want is that anybody really care. The idiots in the cyber world act like they do. Yeah. Does anybody that I really care about but am so mad at, do they really care? Sometimes lying is a huge warning light. Does anybody care here? I don't think anybody does. Go after that child. Never quit, never quit, never quit. You've been listening to Dr. Bob Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries here on Parenting on Purpose. I'm your host, Ruthie J, wrapping up this topic of dealing with lying. And if you missed any of the previous programs, you can listen to them all online at parentingonpurpose.org. Even sign up to get them automatically uh, on email with the corresponding blog or on your app that you can get for any device you've got. Again, that's at parentingonpurpose.org. To find out about these children's homes you hear Dr. Barnes talk about, go to shfm.org. You can support the children's homes, even get resources that support them too. Or send a text, uh, two letters, SH, and send it to 41518, and that'll send a one-time $10 donation to support the children's homes. We hope you'll join us next week as we cover another topic here on Parenting on Purpose.